the 70s or maybe uh, originated the way that it was it was made or <laughs> had his own like meth lab for kombucha or something. I kind of assumed so myself, but I asked him and he had actually never heard of it. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah, so I'm excited to get him into it. You know, the whole the whole probiotic scene is alive and well, no pun intended, because probi- <clears throat> what swim <clears throat> swimmers. Um, it is, and uh, I, I, I fully support it. Me too. It's great. I think it's great. It, your dad comes up on this podcast a lot. He's going to have to be a guest, maybe. I think that'd be great. I think uh, <laughs> I think it'd be fun. That'd be interesting. Um, it'd be a yeah, long pro- one. Pro- you think yeah. my stories are long? We, we just uh, turn it on and let him record. Maybe we just leave the room and uh, <laughs> come back three hours later and... Uh, so how'd you do? Motion picture by Gene Gene Heinrichs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, I'm I'm glad you're trying out the kombucha. I I was in, into it for a while, and I'm uh, it, it serves a purpose in the right circumstances. Um, but yeah, you don't need to drink it for every meal or once a day. But after the big meals, woo, it's a good thing. That's a good word of advice. You know, it's yeah. kind of hard to tell how to how to approach these things sometimes. Uh, yeah. I I ended up going with it's that you know I sent you a picture of that bottle uh, yeah. of the kombucha that I bought, and I went with like I drank half of it just to like see how it affects me. Yeah. But man, like I said, dude, it's there's something about the flavor of it that's just awesome too. Yeah, I yeah. love I love uh, you know at 28 years old. It's very, very rare that I find a flavor that I've <laughs> that I've never tasted before. So I, I like that concept. I like uh, I like having new flavors every now and again. Yeah. Well, did, did I brew kombucha when I when we lived together? I mean, I think no, you, I you didn't. Started you, doing that later. Yeah, you told me about it. Um, okay. A couple, I guess, probably a year ago or so. But no, I, I have Plus. never. Uh, seen you brewing kombucha and I, I don't even know what the heck the process is like well let's just acknowledge that uh brewing kombucha signifies that you're at some awkward point in your life i guess uh you don't just <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's you the, don't, you don't it, it's, it's not the a troll sign of, collecting of your generation yeah. Yeah, maybe it's not a good sign of uh, proper mental hygiene, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I disagree, no, it, man. I think it's, it's a healthy habit. No, it was. It was. It was kind of fun to try, um, and I, I suppose it's like a a very um, I don't know. It's it's beyond brewing your own beer. It's like if you're too hip to brew your own beer, you brew <laughs> kombucha. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd recommend trying that out, though. It's it's so easy. You just uh, pretty much you make some sweet tea, and then you pour a little bit, actually just a whole bottle of, like, raw kombucha like you would buy at a store. Kind of like what you got, but just the um, unflavored kind. You just pour that in there, and then you, uh, I put a coffee filter over the uh, the glass jar, and you just let it sit for, like, a What's- week or two. That's it. I see. Okay, yeah. so... And then you okay. drink that because it seems like a good idea. Because <laughs> so, people told you to on the internet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so 
Okay, so the uh, the raw kombucha, unfiltered yeah. stuff that you're pouring in, that's basically the pure, like, living bacteria, right? Yeah, right. So um, here, here's one of the fun parts is the mother of the kombucha, which is mm-hmm. like this, uh, usually it's like a disc, uh, and it, it feels just like a piece of rubber or something, and it grows with every batch. Right, so when you, you get, don't say okay. Yes, so when you get your uh, the bottle that you have, you might see some like remnants of the mother floating around in there. These little wispy things that look like uh, egg yolk or something. Okay. And uh, so when you start growing it, you'll notice that these things float to the top and they kind of congeal into this one thing. Um, and cool part about that is like if if I were to grow kombucha and then you want to start doing it. Uh, you could just make sweet tea, and I could give you one of these mothers, and you could start growing using that mother. Or I could just cut a piece off. And gotcha. You it. And you wouldn't even need like the you know the bottle of pre-made kombucha. You just need this this mother. Okay, that's cool. That's that's oh, man, that's yeah, nifty. Oh, and then there's the, something uh, very enticing about that. Agreed. It makes it a lot less expensive to do it yourself too. Right. It's uh, you, kind of the you, same same idea you, as sourdough. Yeah, yeah, and you can you can share this thing. You can give it to your friends. No one wants this, though. That's the only thing. I'm the, give you me and, your you kombucha, I, mother. Yeah, we're the only people in our lives, probably. That are like, yeah, that seems like something I want to spend my time doing. <laughs> Not only that, but then actually consuming uh, this uh, this cupboard half-ass wine vinegar that I make. <laughs> that sounds like a great great use of my time. It's good for you, though, so uh, I'll go for it. Yeah, well, I, I think it's kind of like, uh, you know, I, I drink uh, apple cider vinegar after, like, big meals, and I think that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah, I actually drink that stuff every night with my tea. Man, yeah. I'm turning into a damn old man. Well, an old man or, a, I guess, a child of the, uh, the internet advice age. Yeah, but, exactly. But I take Tim Ferriss to heart. There, <laughs> oh, man. But... You know what? It, it just it feels right. It feels good. I notice like uh, in the hours and the day after, I feel better when I drink drink that sort of stuff at certain times. And it's the same with like the vitamins that I take, right? Yep. It comes back to what we were talking about last time of, uh, hey, just take it and see how it makes you feel. And if you notice a difference, cool. Play with that. Yeah, exactly. That's the fun. I mean, that's sort of the fun of like, I guess actually giving a crap about your own health yeah like once you once you can actually i guess pay attention to how your body feels then you can sort of alter that and do little experiments yeah so oh uh a big one for me lately has been melatonin right which uh everybody's known about for decades except for me i guess uh (laughs) but i so so i get these like really weak three milligram pills and i found that cutting them into like a third or a fourth and taking like less than one milligram of melatonin like a very small amount really uh not only helps me fall asleep but it helps me stay asleep and i will have some vivid and weird ass dreams ass dreams nice ass Ass dreams dreams. yeah 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 i've had ass dreams yeah yeah dude that's dreams no that's what kombucha does (laughs) dreams (laughs) You're on top of it today. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, That's cool, though. Uh, it does. I think it kind of makes sense from a non-doctor's perspective, like myself, 
Um, <laughs> you know, I feel like you're sort of uh, kickstarting the melatonin creation process in your brain by using yeah. just a little tiny bit, as you know, opposed it, to it, taking like 10 milligrams at a time, where it's like, uh, okay, brain, have all of this melatonin and force yourself to sleep. Yeah. Well, you know what? So I originally I just took like the the single pill, um, and you can get them in, in like much bigger hits than three milligrams but right. when i took the three like i noticed no difference at all and hmm. so i just bit it a little bit one day actually i think i bit it because i wanted it to like become a powder in my mouth uh because maybe it would absorb faster or something and then okay. i rubbed it on my gums and uh <laughs> sniffed it <laughs> and you it know, worked that yeah <laughs> it did though it did though so and and i don't take it every night it's just uh Every now and again, just one of those things, man. I'm sure you've That's got fun. I'm sure you've well, got a few of those things in your life. The the tea at night. Yeah, the tea at night. It, it's kind of the same the same idea. You know, you've seen that uh, like chamomile or mint tea. There's like nighttime, uh, like sleepy time tea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not my words. And <laughs> okay, time for sleepy time. It's way too creative for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's an abstract concept. But, you know, I, I uh, tend to have a glass of hot tea at night, and that, dude, that helps me, uh, kind of the same idea, you know, it helps me get to sleep, even if there's a, a lot on my mind, a lot going on in the office or anything like that, yeah. and, uh, yeah, the apple cider vinegar, I just mix that in with the tea, and it just sort of puts me out. That apple cider vinegar is good for uh, inflammation, too, which is sort of a, a uh, hardship for I mean, basically all Americans these days. Especially gingers. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, we gingers. were born with inflammation. <laughs> it seems like, you know, just the skin is a little red, and so maybe the whole time you're walking around this earth, maybe you're a little bit inflamed. Exactly. <laughs> Fire crotch, uh, inf- inflamed, <laughs> it all kind of flows together. There you go. <laughs> oh, I don't, yeah, we don't need to go down that road, I guess. No, please, um, please not. Yeah, I, I I like uh, kombucha. It's it's a bit I I find it a bit embarrassing to admit and to say, and I try not to recommend it to people because it feels like uh, something I could be an evangelist about. And even if you even if you say the word, I think maybe most people's eyes just start rolling. You think so? But I, I think a li- if if they've heard of it. They're probably like, yeah, okay, okay. You're drinking some vinegar water. That's that's great. Good for you. Um, so, like the like a snake oil type deal. A snake oil type deal. But again, I, it's it's like a thing that I found that if I drink it after certain meals or like you know once every week or something like that, it works for me. Yeah, might not work for everybody. That's fine. It's it's working for me so far. Um, I'll tell you that much. Um, so, do you think that? Do you think that people would look at you the same way if you told them, uh, hey, I'm taking probiotics and it's really helping me with my shit? <laughs> if you're so blunt about it, maybe. <laughs> I, I think that's a, that's a becoming like a more common thing, right? Like the yogurt. I think so. And the, but I don't the thing know. is, that's, d- that's what kombucha is, really. Well, yeah, and I, I didn't, uh, I don't really drink it for for that. It's just... It's like it, it helps me, uh, I don't know, digest really big meals. Hmm. It's not, not so much for like 
actually the the probiotic property of it, right? I don't know exactly. Okay. It just makes me feel better after yeah. I binge on food I didn't need. You know, you can uh, you can explain that to people so much, and even if you have the ultimate belief in it, man, like you said, there are still going to be people who just look at you weird. Even if it works wonders, and it is just, I mean, it it's something that like everybody should seriously look into. There are going to be a lot of people who give you sort of a side eye, like, dude, what? Yeah. Well, so, so most people are going to be skeptical, I feel like, but then there are people like us who sometimes go for these things, and it just uh, it depends on what it is and who the person is. Um, it reminds me of like uh, the uh, like the the nutrition powders and stuff like that, right? That people try to sell you. Oh, dude, the, yeah. The pyramid scheme, uh, exactly. Sort of things where most of that stuff, I see it and I like cringe. Like it's it's so obviously bullshit. But there are, are people, and it's scary how, how how sometimes these these people can be uh, like really intelligent and like in your circle and or even i well i know you you were uh you were almost uh not a victim of it but you were interested in it for a while i don't think you ever actually bought into it but i i actually did buy into one (gasps) yeah dude i know i learned the hard way um i i had heard so many people just say i guess uh like negative things about network marketing and multi-level marketing and uh and i i didn't quite get it i'm like well there are people who like i was sort of drinking the kool-aid so to speak hearing hearing these uh high level people in the companies saying i make a million dollars every single hour and i don't even work a minute in my life (laughs) not not exactly that but they're they're very much selling a lifestyle though oh exactly yeah you can Um, see that Man, the kicker though that I that I found difficult, no matter how how great the products are, which we can get get into that in a minute. But the they they expect you to like sell this whole concept to your friends mm-hmm. and family. That's oh, the tough part. That's like that's my nightmare. Because then you're all of a sudden you're burning so many bridges potentially because you're saying. Uh, hey, friend, I've had for twenty years. Uh, you should spend ten grand on this business opportunity, uh, so that you can go recruit more people. Yeah. Oh man, that that makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, the closest I've ever been to this is uh, when I was fresh out of college or getting ready to graduate. I was interviewing around. Um, I interviewed for like a financial planning company, right? And mm-hmm. a, a pretty. Uh, I guess I won't name them, but they were, they're like an established, um, kind of like an H&R Block or an Edward Jones, something like that. Uh, but the job was pretty much you'd come in and call everybody you know and try to sell them on their uh, financial planning services, right? Oh, man. But it, it was so not positioned like that. It was, it was like, um, and that, that only came up like late in the second interview, that that would happen, you know. I was I was kind of led to believe that I would um, more be like facilitating people that had already signed up, or like be almost an account manager. Sure. Uh, but yeah, late in the game, and there's there's a word for it, but 
like your list of contacts. What, what's the word for that that you would have to cold call? Um, I, well, I think warm leads is one way to put it, but it's—I mean, it's warm leads. Oh, well, maybe maybe not so much. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it, it it freaked me out a little bit because I uh, I I got pretty far down the line with this company, and I was like, kind of it was is one of two or three jobs that I was like, hey, I, I think I could. I think I could do this, and then the last one, I was like, oh my god, when the, the last interview kind of opened my eyes and it, it well, I'm glad the they, uh, it's a good thing they brought that up during the interview or you did or whoever did instead of uh taking the job and then then finding out what it entails yeah yeah, yeah. well it, it somehow it just came out that like yeah you, you kind of the first thing you would do would be to write down just you know all your friends and your family <laughs> and everybody you know and it was yeah. passed off as like nonchalantly like this and then give them a call, and then you know, see if see if they need help planning for their future. Man, and then, dude, by that time, once you're doing that, if you pass somebody that you know on the street, they're gonna cringe and just like walk the other way because <laughs> right. they're like, "Well, I don't, I don't want to see Robert and run into him because I know that he's gonna sell me if he ever sees me." Oh God! And see, I, I could never even do that. First of all, like if I if I would have joined this company and then found out that that was what I'd be doing, I, I would have like. I would have quit so fast. Yeah. Oh, man. It, it man. violates so many things for me. But uh, let's talk about your product that you Oh, boy. You got well, into. okay. So I won't name the company either. Um, it was a it was a multi-level marketing thing. Um, it wasn't Advocare, but it, it was the same idea, you know. Yeah. Um, health, healthy products like powdered products and capsules and whatnot. Um, all super healthy, like organic raw stuff i mean it, it was the products were good for you they're yeah they're uh, solid products however um i th- i think part of it had to do with these products like this this company would be the first company to introduce products similar products like these to their consumers so for example like that green powder you know like yeah. greens like spinach and kale and stuff uh chopped into a fine powder that you pour into water shake it up and drink it um so so that stuff we all know now is is healthy for you and a lot of people a lot of people drink that stuff daily um however this company sort of took it upon themselves to educate those these people who are now newly bought into the company about this product and they were the first ones to do it so this was before i had gone to the grocery store and seen these greens on the shelf i'm like oh dude these this product is awesome why doesn't anyone else have this and so again there's a certain level of naivety too you know you just you're just sort of all in like tunnel vision in this one company but then yeah once you realize it I mean, it's like you're in a cult, and you uh, once you realize what's going on, and you start sort of shopping around. You're like, "Wait, I can get these exact same products for like less than half the price." Right, and if you like and really cared about your uh, your uh, warm leads, your friends and family, you just hand them like a a list of of things and say, "Here's where you can buy this stuff in bulk. It's up to you. Whatever." Oh, exactly. But they sell the business portion of it so much too, yeah. you know. It's not just about the products; it's about the 
lifestyle and being being able to quit your job and uh and that sort of stuff so yeah you know i think we have like a mutual uh acquaintance that maybe kind of got rich off this sort of thing man i wish i knew who you're who you were talking to talking about (laughs) talking to you oh Uh, (laughs) hey welcome thank you but but uh, okay so the scary thing is like if you have to buy in you're the you're the customer right yeah if you have to buy in to sell the product to your customer and the only way these things work is if the money comes from recruitment not sales really right yeah like the, these companies are they're selling the product but it's two other people who think they're going to sell it as well exactly so oh man so in order for anybody to make money the people at the bottom of this pyramid have to lose the money, right? It's a pyramid scheme. But yep. I don't know I don't know how people don't see through this from the get go. And I guess probably the company, especially like one that you're talking about, it wasn't positioned as like a grow your network company. It was really product focused and then at the end of it it's like, oh well here here's how you really get upstream revenue. Um, right. And then, then at that point, you're you're like too far into it, so you have to be like, well, you don't have to, but you tend to be like, okay, well, how can I how can I do a better job? How can I increase my my earnings? <sighs> I'm oh, getting man. shivers, man. So yeah, okay, it's cringeworthy. So let's let's break this down. What if let's say you and I create this uh, bioengineered like worm, earthworm that crawls up your butt at night <laughs> and eats fat. And then uh, before you wake up, crawls out into your backyard and deposits his fat somewhere in your yard, whatever, right? So this earthworm, the, the earth, the girthworm, the anti-girthworm, as we're going <laughs> to yes. package it, we take this uh, girthworm to the pharmacy down the street, or like Walgreens, and we say, we have this miracle product, and we'll sell it to you for $50, and you sell it to your customers for a hundred dollars, right? We just don't have yep. the the channels, the distribution network to sell this, but you do. And yep. so they say, yeah, we'll do this. And then months pass, and the girthworm, <laughs> so stupid, becomes like a a sensation. And right now, it's selling exclusively through Walgreens. So we we as the manufacturers would probably go to CVS or Walmart or Target and try to sell the girthworm um, because that would, that would just broaden our network. But what if we asked Walgreens, we, we go to Walgreens and we say, hey, since you track every customer that buys the girthworm, how about you try to make them a distributor? So once you sell them a girthworm, tell them you'll also sell them girthworms at a reduced price that they can then sell to their friends and their family. Right. Uh, if, if we made that pitch to Walgreens for our girthworm, they would tell us to go swallow nails. Yeah, they would tell us to take all the girthworms and put them where, they're, where we're supposed to put them. <laughs> <laughs> Make your product work as directed. <laughs> yeah. Except to the extreme, please. <laughs> That's a polite way of putting it. <laughs> Oh my god. So, okay, so if, if the product is good enough to sell itself, right, you wouldn't need people to to divvy up shares of the product to sell it downstream. Yeah, good point. 
this this is our do we start a company did we come up with a really good idea is this our is this our pyramid is this our empire it might be i'm gonna need to find a worm and uh, we're gonna need to make sure that it will somehow expire in 30 days so that we can set our <laughs> customers up to auto ship oh that's okay so that's true that's uh, a big so part once, of it once maybe on day 30 this thing after it uh, crawls out of the cavity uh and has taken another half pound of fat at night um it has it has a maximum girth itself and it goes out in the backyard and it explodes kind of yeah exactly so, so you have to that's going to be the tricky part of bioengineering this this earthworm it can only like swallow 20 it can only swallow fat like 20 times or something like yeah, that yeah or a certain amount of fat hmm so then then you get your customers set up to auto ship so instead of paying a hundred dollars for a girthworm they pay $80, but they set it up to automatically bill them $80 uh, okay. every month. So it's like a subscription girthworm service. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then so how do we but how do we how do we put more stones under this pyramid though? Are we are we setting up earthworm farms? Kind of like ant oh. farms where where you can grow these things and you feed them just uh, animal stock or something like that. <laughs> you pour a we little a little sure bit of could. liquid fat in there. Yeah, I mean, but now, because that would give the consumer a lot of freedom. That would allow the consumer to actually end up ahead. So I don't think you want to do that. Yeah, so this also has to be somehow bioengineered into them that they can only reproduce like once or twice or something. So you can only get your friends and family started on this because you can't, you have no use for a litter of the girth worms. No. After, so so you, you have to give them away. And and this is how we get others started on the girthworm. There you go. I like that. Right. So so the offspring can't reproduce either. Only only direct direct shipped girthworms can reproduce, and they can only do it once. Yep. And as long as we tell you that, then you'll believe us. Yeah. Don't ask questions. Okay. So. That was a pretty convoluted way of, uh, of <laughs> but dissecting what 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 your um, what your powder company was all about. Yeah, you know it's it's because again, if you don't have to put all of your eggs into the product basket, uh, and you can really sell this lifestyle, if you can sell, I mean, if 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 I can sell you a lifestyle saying. Hey, you can quit your job. You can do this for like two hours a day, uh, for three days a week, and you can have millions of dollars by doing it. You just drive up to then, any parking lot and sell girthworms out of your um, out of the trunk of your Beamer. Yep, that we exactly. Pay for. And then at that point, you'll buy anything from me. Yeah. You know, I you know I could sell you a worm, and you would you would be gung ho about it. So that's oh. that's how they get these people. Did you ever have to sell like um, magazines or frozen foods, or uh, you know that kind of stuff when you were a kid for elementary school? Man, I did all of it. I sold magazines. I sold like these frozen bread loaf things that were actually pretty good. Um, yeah. And then I sold popcorn, popcorn in the Boy Scout days back in the day. Ah, <sighs> so you went. You probably went door to door, hawking these um, things. Or was it more yeah. of uh, tap your tap your warm leads, your friends and family? It was more of warm leads, actually. Warm um, leads. 
Garth Warren leads. And then in college, uh, bless you, in college for a uh, charity event, we did, like, we would sell honey door-to-door. Um, again, it's not, it was, the product itself wasn't, uh, the honey wasn't, wasn't local. It wasn't unfiltered, anything like that. So it's not like a high quality honey, but it's just honey. you know, we would sell a, a bottle of honey for five bucks, but all of the proceeds would go to a charity. So, uh, I think that's, that's a selling point, I guess. Yeah. Well, do you think it's acceptable to like when a kid comes to your door to sell you cookie dough, um, to like just hand him a five or $10 bill and say, uh, I don't need your, um, cheese filled pretzels just take this and this is my donation yeah and uh one that that prevents you from having to come back it saves you time and i'm sure like this ten dollars that i'm giving you is probably equal to me buying sixty dollars for the product right maybe that's right because you know you don't get all you don't get sixty dollars when you sell sixty dollars worth of stuff you get like a sliver of that good point yeah, but I don't feel like yeah, that's that's, a, that's that's not socially acceptable though. I don't think. I think I think it might depend on depend on what you're doing. If it's something like like we were doing in college for that charity, that's totally acceptable because we know that all of the proceeds go to charity anyway. But yeah. if if it's like uh, I don't I don't know like uh, what what do you, what do Girl Scouts sell cookies for? What What do they put that money toward? Do you know? I guess it just goes towards their camp. But okay, so here's the thing though. Like, I I remember when uh, I had to sell the frozen pizzas or whatever that uh, there was almost a quota. Like, I needed to sell at least ten. And you know, I don't know if that was like strictly enforced, but I, I kind of remember like the teacher putting the number ten up on the board and saying. You know, here's what we gotta we gotta sell to keep our uh, whatever after school group going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, and it's it was like it was a layer removed from the money that we actually needed. And I'm sure that we had to sell so many of them to get a certain price point from whatever product manufacturer was selling these to us, right? right. So maybe if I didn't sell ten, uh, maybe we would only get. Ten percent of the cut instead of like twenty percent. Yep, exactly. So that's the other thing. Like I, when I was little, I, I never understood that uh, a donation might be a more direct and better um, way to like get this bottom line number that we need because it, it helps subsidi- in- subsidize it in the worst case scenario. You know. Right, right, right. But the the goal was not to get money; it was to sell X amount of whatever product. Gotcha. Well, you know, when you're when you're catering to elementary school kids, when you're managing them, for lack of a better term, because that's that's really what it is. Yeah, it really um, is yeah. I, I think that's that's how you need to uh, explain it. Uh, you're, you're not about to talk about the distributors and and what the ROI is for each of these items. Man, but there is something so wrong. So going back to the Girl Scout cookies that you were talking about, uh, like there. Doesn't it just feel wrong to like almost mislead these kids into thinking that they need to sell cookies when the real priority here is to get money so that they can fund their program? Like, oh right, you know, like they both need to be lessons, I guess. Like the the cookies are just an avenue, but here's our ultimate goal: we just need money so we can uh, drive you out to the forest and 
uh, start a few controlled fires. Right. right? Exactly. So, so I, like, that always needs to be like the the end goal, right? The, the end you, game that the child sees. That's a good point. So, okay, now that you you've brought that up, I I picture a situation where they say, okay, every Girl Scout needs to sell. 25 boxes of cookies for $4 each. So they need to sell $100 total of cookies. Yeah. Now, a Girl Scout who has sold like two boxes total goes up to some random rich guy's door. He says, Well, I'm diabetic, so I don't need any cookies, but here's a $100 bill. And then I can see the Girl Scout being like, Ah, dang it, I didn't sell any cookies. Right, right. Did she hit her goal or not? Right. That's the real question. It's, it's almost like maybe the better lesson for some of these kids would be like, hey, we, we need each of you to go out and raise $50, uh, and you can sell these cookies, but you know what? If you want to like start a, a lemonade stand and you think that you can uh, yield a better profit, so be it. Uh, if you just want to go straight to your parents and say, mommy, daddy, cut me a check for $50 so you don't have to pay attention to me for a few hours a week so I can be at this program, that's great too. It's. It just always felt like, at least to me, when I was a kid, having to sell these things, that, um, like that, the the end game was never really so clear, right? It was always sure. We're 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 selling these um, cookies or these fruit baskets for our program, not to fund it, but this is like part of the job of being yeah. in this program. You know that uh, actually that. That sort of makes me think about how the whole system doesn't really breed entrepreneurship a whole lot. It, I mean, th- this could easily be a brilliant entrepreneurship lesson and a way to, yeah. uh, to like sort of a catalyst to like enabling entrepreneurship or an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit and, and within these kids. Um, however, it's it's more of just yeah, it's it's just giving them a set goal and teaching them. Uh, how to work for somebody else, how to follow instructions. Yeah. Which, which is sad because that's how it goes uh, all through college, really. Yeah. But uh, I'm thinking back to the last time that we bought Girl Scout cookies, and there was this pioneering young lady who had put a sign. She, she parked at a bank parking lot, big bank parking lot that was right off the main road and was easy to just swing in and swing out. And she put a sign maybe 100 yards before the turn-in saying, Girl Scout cookies, take a right. And Hmm. she just, out of the trunk of her car, she had a table set up, a whole bunch of cookies, and there was a line of cars. Jeez. Yeah, and you know what? She did not go door-to-door, and it was not like an active selling you know, thing where like she she guilted people into it, right? Yeah, it was a passive thing where only people who wanted to buy would buy. Yeah, and it just happened to be at like this uh, a, a pretty big intersection where there is always a line of cars backed up. So you could see her little table with her cookies, and she had some balloons out or something sitting there in that parking lot. And we pulled in, and we're not people to, to really care about Girl Scout cookies, but something about that was like, man, that, that was perfect. And it was just one girl. It wasn't like a, a whole troop decided to do this. It was wow. just probably one girl who was told that she needed to sell X many boxes and um, either her or her parents had the idea of, well, you know, I'm not really comfortable sending you out or, or like going door to door asking people to buy these. Maybe we, we find a passive way to do this. 
which is also like way easier and less time yeah. consuming. You just and go again, park in a parking lot for an afternoon. Oh yeah, exactly. And again, people who buy actually feel good about buying instead yeah. of feeling like you just like scammed them out of five bucks. Right? Yeah. Nice. And, and That's maybe cool. We're, maybe we're just more sensitive to like those sorts of schemes. Uh, because, well, people buy into them, first of all. People, yeah. people buy the products, but then there are also people who actually, you know, buy an inventory to sell, but probably never actually sell them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, sure uh, you- again, you know, it's, it's so, it's so easy to do once you're, once you have that tunnel vision and you're just like dead set on this being an awesome, uh, venture or scheme. Um, yeah. so yeah, but, and then again, you know, then you, you persuade your your friends, your closest friends, relatives to buy into this too, and they're in the same situation. The thing is, I mean, a lot of these people aren't uh, necessarily totally well off financially. If they were, then uh, they would probably just keep doing what they're doing. So, uh, so they're sort of doing this in like in pursuit of a dream, like to in hopes that it'll it'll really like make their life better. Right. But then once once they buy in and realize, oh man, I'm this like isn't for me. Then all of a sudden they're they're ten thousand dollars lighter or however much it is, and uh, are kind of regretting their decision. And it's only the people above them who have made any money. Oh, you, yeah. There, so so like in any pyramid scheme like this, there has to be at least half. Uh, there's probably you know, a better way to calculate this number, but maybe like up to 70% or more of people do not make money or lose money by being part of this process, right? It has yep. to be that way because they're, they're the, the lowest few levels will always be in the red a little bit. Exactly. No how big it grows. And the highest few levels will always be in the bright green. It's like a tip of the iceberg, you know. We're just mad because we ain't there. That's all this is. That's all this whole thing has been. But at the same time, that's that's the motivation of the people at the top of the pyramid to keep recruiting people. Right. I want my brown BMW Beamer with my Girthworm logo <laughs> on the back of it. Brown with a, a nice, like a, a kind of a lighter tan stripe in the middle of it somewhere. Yes. And somehow we've we've redesigned this Beamer so that the front end also looks like the back end. perfect yeah yeah well uh you know there is uh some people i know it it surprised me like some of the people i know that have actually bought into these things and like actively promoted or like tried to sell them uh, oh man either to me or within my networks and i mean it's sad that I, i paid such close attention to this but like I'd say four or five years ago really seemed like the, the upkick of this. Um, and like on, on any social media network where I actually follow those pe- these people, it'd be kind of sad to like see them. Uh, I don't know. Like a- anytime they posted, there was a lot of attention, a lot of discussion or whatever. But then they started selling these products and you could just tell that like people didn't, People don't interact with it, but then right. also people probably unfollow them, like I do. You know, I, I, oh. I like hide them. I do too. Or yeah. hid them from my feeds. 
and it's it surprised me like some of the people who who went for it if that makes sense there's got to be something in like some just trait some personality trait that some people like really aspire to this and i know i know some people that we we both know who are like pretty well off and like went into this thing and i don't think ever made any sort of money or like were actively promoting for a month and then just maybe came to their senses and like stopped doing this man yeah you know as as i scroll through my uh my facebook news feed every now and again i'll see that stuff all the time and it's man you put it you put it well uh people who who have a, a large network they have a lot of friends a lot of people respect them and then all of a sudden they start just just posting every single day about uh, about whatever this business venture is quote unquote business venture and um yeah and then just people people just start ignoring them they uh start doing this facebook live video all the time and uh trying to get a bunch of people bought in and uh people just sort of keep scrolling right i remember that like really devaluing the 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 entire like like face you're right facebook was like the big one where this happened a lot and like that was kind of the be the start of the end for me with like facebook like it just devalued what I saw people using it for and like being interested in. Yeah. And I don't ever remember you really actually promoting the, no. uh, the stuff that you, I don't even remember. Like I lived with you and you didn't try to sell it to me. Dude, you know why? That's because again, that like friends and family thing, it just turned me off. I yeah. wasn't about to like start burning bridges just to sell a product. Right. And especially knowing that, I, that, I probably wouldn't be one of those millionaires in it. So, yeah, man, it would it would take a certain amount of courage though to just like post this. I I think, at least for it, me, like yeah, I, you've got to be never, all in. It to me, it would like take a whole lot of balls and a whole lot of confidence that I just severely lack. I guess to like to say, hey, friends and people that I've spent my life getting to know and caring about, buy this or or oh god, I couldn't even imagine like actually recruiting these people and then. If I would, you know, down the line, they they lose money on this and yeah, yeah burning bridges was that was a good way to put it. Man, that's exactly that's, like what you're doing. You're, you're just pouring gasoline on the on the bridge. Exactly, and if they buy, then you light a match. I mean, it's it's like uh, I don't know. I I think I think through that experience, I learned a really valuable lesson, one that I'll sort of keep keep with me for the rest of my life, and that. And again, I, I believe this is the case at this point. The way I see it right now, I think business and personal life should be uh, like separate. Like, if you're in a business where you should or where you're supposed to be recruiting friends and family or getting friends and family to buy from you, something's not right. Because yeah. if if you're in it, I mean if. If you've started a real business or anything like that, you shouldn't have to rely on your friends and family. In my right. mind, right? I'm glad you brought this up because I have a very exciting opportunity for you. Uh, <laughs> I will ship you. It sounds exciting. Hear me out. I will ship you something that that looks like a freeze-dried pack of uh, ramen noodles, and oh. just add water and a little Crisco, and these things will start squirming around. Take one of these things up in a glass jar, lay it by your bed, and in two weeks, come back to me and tell me you don't feel <laughs> greater than ever and at least 10 pounds lighter. 
because of my parasitic earthworm. <laughs> and if you don't, then uh, go to the doctor because you probably have worms. <laughs> What's it going to take for me to, to get a worm into you today? <laughs> Do not get up from this desk right now. Man, you know, I think we've we've briefly talked about this before, but the whole the whole concept of uh, just regretting your decision after spending a bunch of money on something. Yeah. Um. A, a car, I think. I think oftentimes people have this that feeling of buyer's remorse after after buying a car, Be- just yeah. simply because it's a it's a large sum of money that you're putting down. Yeah, and it's it's only gonna like go down in value. Like it's so hard yeah. to buy something like that where it's just completely from the get go. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, I wanted to to bring up one thing. Um, yesterday, you know, I've been I've been talking about uh, potentially buying a PS4, a PlayStation Four, for uh, <gasps> entertainment purposes. Yes, dude. Yesterday, I told myself over the past like three, four weeks, I've been thinking, um, man, I, I just really, work's been, work's been super stressful lately. It'd be nice to have a little bit of a break. Uh, I've been working hard, just sort of telling, telling myself the things I needed to hear to, to actually buy it. <laughs> oh man. And, yeah, uh, preaching to the choir. And, uh, the one big thing was, well, you're, you're going to buy one eventually anyway. Um, it's sort of the way of the future, you know, along with that 4K TV that you'll have in the in the near future. Uh, that, that headset, that, um, you know, the VR headset where you're going to be. Yeah, right, exactly. You're going to put so, it on Friday at 6 o'clock after you're off work, and then you're going to wake up on Monday morning <laughs> at 5 a.m. And, and take this, it off. And take it off, and you, you are going to, it's going to be like the new, uh, the new dress sock line on people. You're going to see like the indent indented line around their face where their VR headsets been on. <laughs> right. That's a good way of putting it. I don't know if uh, it is or not, but yeah. <laughs> I can see that happening. Um, but, yeah, yesterday I uh, I just pulled the trigger on it, man. I just bought it. Whoa! Yeah. Holy boy. There you and, go. And uh, I'm, I'm digging it so far. I'm loving it. Uh, again, though, to ensure that I don't have buyer's remorse, I need to make sure and, like, put in a few hours on it that's that's the thing and that's that's exactly the thing that i was analyzing before i bought it yeah i need to actually make use of this thing even though before having it i didn't play a ton of video games it wasn't really in my like ritual of habits yeah but now i think i should put in uh like right in the right at the fine line of uh of the optimal number of hours per week on it oh i'm not sure what that what that number is though yeah, so damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you don't play it, you you are probably spending your time doing something more productive. But if you correct, if you don't play it, you are also not uh, remunerating your your investment. You're not like yeah, you're not using that only, money that you spent on it. Yeah, if I've only played it for two hours, then I'm spending two hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. Oh. But if I've played it for a total of two hundred hours, I'm spending two bucks an hour. There you go. <laughs> you can't so, win. or maybe I can't. you can't lose. I don't know. Exa- well, I look, I look at it that way that I yeah. that I really can't lose because it's 
At the very least, absolute worst case scenario, I can justify it as a sort of a stress reliever. Like, yeah. everybody needs to unwind every now and again. You can't be productive 24-7. Yeah. It's nice to like spend an hour in the evenings uh, just sort of unwinding and focusing on that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it totally like unplugs you to, to something. It does. I agree with that. Yeah, well, and the other thing is, uh, I think I brought this up where I bought a console knowing that I just wanted to play one game and then I sold the console like three months later. And that's something right. you can totally do because oddly enough, like those actually hold their value pretty well. Like, yeah, I, they do. I remember like losing maybe 80 to $100 total on, on the whole thing after buying a new console. I should have bought a used one. And then playing this game for three months and then selling it, which, you know, that's still a lot of money, but to me, like, I was like, yeah, $100 for this experience, yeah. Yeah, that's well worth it. Yeah. So, man, you, you could totally do that down the line. That's true. I'm not sure what it'll come down to, because honestly, this is this is going to motivate me to buy a bigger TV and a 4K TV um, in the future. So, yeah. dude, I, I'm afraid that once I have that set up, I mean, then all of a sudden I'm watching movies and stuff in 4K and yeah. playing video games in 4k i'm not sure if i can go back at that point yeah oh man it's another slope it is another, it's a uh, really slippery slope but i bunch of oil it is i just feel like i'm I, I keep telling myself that i'm setting myself up for the future like the future of entertainment because i'm i'm sort of a late adopter to these things typically yeah. like i've still been rocking a ps3 um well all of my friends have playstation 4s um. Ugh. But you know, I don't. I don't know. God, man. I feel like it'll always sort of be a small part of my life, like something that I that I do here and there. And so, yeah. I just that's keep fair. telling myself these things to justify the price. Yeah, that's fair. And you can always you can always sell out whenever you want to. Four yeah, K TV. That's a that's a pretty big investment. I just spent money on a four K monitor because I really. I was convinced that I needed it to do real deal design work. Um, and because uh, Ash likes to, uh, she has a camera and she likes to edit photos. So okay. it's, actually, it's actually pretty useful for that. But yeah, I, mean, I already, I, I've been feeling the regret in the weeks since because I find myself just looking at my laptop screen instead of plugging in and going on this 4K monitor. Just gotcha, it's, okay. It's so damn big and bright and like, for some reason it just hurts my eyes the monitor does yeah i even have like the brightness set where i want it and i even have uh you know like one of those light shifting where it kind of hues it down to orange when i'm not doing design work yep uh and it still is just like jesus man i'm tapped into the matrix when i'm in front of this thing is it something about the resolution like how how incredibly sharp and lifelike it is uh, yeah yeah i think so i think so and like i i've even um i've turned the resolution down Really? At some points, yeah. One, just to like uh, work a little quicker sometimes, but okay. two, just because I'm like, man, I can't even tell unless my eye is like, unless my retina is wiping the screen, like making a tear <laughs> streak across it. Right. So, yeah. Huh. There you go. Man. I've got, you know, I've got another great thing. I've got a big purchase I made where I did not have buyer's remorse at all. Really? Because oh. you mentioned earlier that... Uh, that you tend to get buyer's remorse for a lot of uh, like decent-sized purchases that you make. Oh, yeah, even trivial shit. Like, 
so the the 4K monitor was not trivial, but it was like five hundred dollars, and I will use it, and like the work that I do on it will pay for itself rather yep. quickly. But I still, I'm still like, oh man, I you know that was a lot of money, and did I really need 4K? And like I wear glasses in front of a computer, I can't even notice 4K <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's um. Yeah, I'll have this kind of regret with like most things that I buy that are over maybe like forty dollars. I'd say is a cutoff for some reason. It, I, okay. And I don't, I don't think it's gonna matter like how much I make in life. It's always gonna be like forty dollars or more. Yeah, but, okay, that's understandable. So I uh, I recently proposed uh, to to Ash. And Absolutely. She said yes, but part of this was I had to buy a ring, and um, so I did my I had a budget. I'll just okay. So my budget originally was like I was thinking five thousand dollars, okay, which is a f- fuckload of money for yeah. a ring. Some people would think, yeah, that's a lot. Some you know, and so I, I go through this process, and I go to retail stores, and I go to like every shop in town, and just kind of price diamonds. And there's so much to learn about like diamond clarity and color, um, hmm. and cut and size. And so you buy it, you buy the diamond and then you buy the setting separately usually. And the setting is, you know, the ones that I were looking at were like maybe $1,500. So the setting is actually the band and like how the diamond is placed in the band, right? Yeah. So you, and usually the band now has like a lot of little stones in it. So the setting can be like $5,000 itself. If you get one with really nice big diamonds or one that's like custom design, Oh, so I think at like five thousand for a decent diamond, I was gonna get maybe like maybe a carrot for a, a good diamond, and if I wanted like mm-hmm. a really clear and bright one, um, it would have to be less than a carrot. Oh, fuck. So I go through this process, and like my budget inches up to six thousand, sure. and then seven thousand, and then I think eight or nine thousand was kind of the point where that that's where I was at a certain point. And so, if I can intervene here, is, is that uh, is that because you sort of had a certain diamond in mind, like like you sort of uh, like pictured giving her a certain a certain looking ring? Yeah, because I, I kind of knew what she wanted. Um, sure. But then also, this was just from me going out and looking at prices. Okay. And like learning about it, and man, so for like two weeks, I was a gemologist. I understood. <laughs> everything about diamonds and i was like i had the the source for my diamond like i was thinking i could probably get it secondhand on ebay or something and then like get a setting from a a manufacturer in town and like have them set it and oh my god it's like it is such a a deep rabbit hole that you go down Um, wow yeah oh and the other thing is when you go to look at diamonds the difference between a carat and a carat and a quarter might be um a thousand dollars or whatever Mm-hmm. But like to actually like look at them, they are the a carat diamond is not very big, and a carat and really? a quarter is like, you can barely notice the difference, like barely, and like even a, a carat and a half, it's like it's just not very big. It doesn't seem hmm. like. Okay, so wh- where am I right now? Okay, so I, my budget's like eight or nine thousand dollars, and because originally I set it at like four to five thousand dollars because I did not want to have to finance something. I just want sure. to pay for it and like make it a one-time thing, uh, 
and you know I'm, I'm planning on starting a life with someone I don't want to like go in debt to do that right and um, even if it's insignificant it's just like it's a bad premise for something like this but then you know as I inched up to 8,000 9,000 and who knows where I would have ended up like financing was definitely on my mind mm-hmm. um, and it's something that a lot of jewelers offer and so I like after probably two weeks of just hunting around on my own I just say, look, Ash. I think we both know this is coming. It's been uh, it's been seven years. <clears throat> so, and she's like, yeah, obviously. And so she she just goes with me to like some of these um, places to look at them. And in her mind, she she knew what she wanted. She wanted like this halo diamond, which is a big diamond in the middle, and then like little diamonds around it in the setting, mm-hmm. and. Um, yellow gold band and all that so she in her mind and from looking at pictures on pinterest figured out exactly what she wanted and we go to look at them and she puts it on and she's like oh my god this is pretty but then we go to another store and like the exact same settings like not not even just ones that look like they're the same um kind of the same like the exact same i guess molds were used to make some of these rings from different retailer to different retailer right? okay interesting by our fourth or fifth one she's like these all look like the same and uh i kind of don't kind of don't want something that you can walk into any mall and get so she she comes to this conclusion on her own right and i'm okay. just kind of like spectating trying to like figure out my budget and early on i, I kind of joked about like going to a pawn shop and looking at mm-hmm. rings especially after you do re- research and you realize that like any gold used to make a ring has probably been in other rings. It's just been melted down from other rings and any diamond, uh, there's a good chance that that diamond, even if you buy it like new in a retail store, it's probably been in other settings before. Right. Really? So yeah. So like going to a pawn shop and buying a ring is pretty much the same as like going into a retail store and buying a ring because you're s- still probably just getting this amalgam of other used jewelry right so she's like at the end of the day she's like you know we might might as well just go look and see what they have and she um she like gets really fixated on these cocktail rings which are like these rings with a lot of really small diamonds in a cluster so there's no one prominent Mm -hmm. diamond okay and so we look at these a few of these at a pawn shop because we couldn't really find them at retail stores and they're all unique in a pawn shop and she's loving that she wants maybe something slightly vintage and the price on these things is like 500 bucks really and they can and they can be talked down of course yeah yeah so we go okay. I'm i like where this is going oh i loved it and i like oh my god i was so excited and i was trying to like bite my tongue you know without saying anything <laughs> that would ruin you know yeah in that case i'll buy you two of them yeah so we we go to a yeah I, it came across my mind at one point in case she doesn't like one I can take the other back or something right um, so we go to a custom uh, a custom jeweler just cause we're still like trying to figure out you know if we want to buy new uh, but now used is an option right. so we go to a custom jeweler and we have pictures of ones that she liked and she pulls up a picture for this custom jeweler lady who's like been trying to sell it on um, settings that they already have and she's like well we can custom make anything show me what you're thinking about and she shows this uh she shows a lady and she's like oh 
Well, that's not really a wedding ring. That's what we call a cocktail ring. And that's not traditionally what you would want for your wedding ring. Uh. And uh, luckily, and one of the reasons that I love Ash is because she's like hard-headed in a way that when that lady said that, she didn't in her mind think, oh, yeah, I, I do want, you know, something more traditional like a wedding man. She was like, oh, well, I like this, and this is what I want, and fuck you, because um, Dude. this is, you know, after after looking at hundreds, literally hundreds, uh, this is what my eye fell on and what I really like. And so another part of this is, like, looking at rings on Pinterest versus looking at rings on your hand in real life is a totally sure. different thing, right? Yeah, a ring is I a totally... It, it conveys such a difference like when it's on I don't know your hand versus someone else's hand versus uh, sitting on a plate with like parsley and other diamonds strewn around it right (sighs) so um, she by the end of all this was like I just want to go to all the pawn shops there's no way I want to buy a new ring I want I want a used ring and I want something that's like unique so luckily, good on I, her, man. Yeah. Oh my god. Good, yeah. good on her for uh, for sticking to her guns. No instead shit. Instead of letting someone upsell her for like, you know, ten grand. Upsell me, right? Right. Yeah, what can exactly. I do? What can I do to get you to walk out of here with this ring today? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I I finally I found one. Um, I actually found one online. That because it was really hard to find one that wasn't like too tall like just the style of ring that she wanted a lot of these diamonds were like stacked up and like the ring itself was as tall as the finger but i found okay. i finally found one for um uh, like jesus christ it's just a fraction of my initial budget right it was oh, still it's still a couple thousand but this daddy is exactly what she wanted it's like over two carats in total diamond weight Right, so there's not there's not one huge diamond, but they're all all the diamonds in this cluster are large enough that you can see them and see that they're very they're very bright, very clear. Okay, it was like a it's a vintage ring. Man, that's cool. And she just loved it. So what's something like that called? A cluster diamond? A a cluster like a diamond cluster ring. Man, yeah. I'll I'll send you I'll send you a pic of 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 what I gave her. Okay, see, I'm I'm looking them up online here. They look super cool. Well, there's so there's like so so friggin' many different styles of these things too, and like. Well, it looks. I mean, you could go any direction with this stuff. Boy, could holy moly! But so this, if if either I wouldn't have shopped around, or if I wouldn't have asked her to come and kind of look at these with me, I would have spent probably eight to ten grand. On like yeah. the halo ring that she thought she wanted, before looking around and trying some on and being like, you know what, this really isn't quite for me. It's not. It's yeah. Not nice now. Dude. Yeah. That's great. It's yeah. It, it's a good thing you had that conversation. And then so that you you both end up happier happier with the purchase. Yeah. It's so there's a um, a life pro hack tip. Yeah, that's a that's a good one to keep in the back pocket. Right, right. Which I did until I proposed. Ha 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 
Yeah, that's cool, man. That's a uh, that's very unique too, and yeah. it's something that uh, that uh, it seems uh, timeless. You know, I, I'm not sure right. how how uh, like trendy some some rings. Again, I, I I'm I'm not uh, really in this in this market. I don't know much about it, but I'm not, not sure how trendy. <laughs> no, not anytime soon. Yeah. I'm not sure how trendy some of these things can get. I'm sure. I'm sure, like any other, uh, like any other industry, there's there are trends. But yeah. this seems more timeless and classic. Something and that won't go out of style. Man, she picked up on that right away, which I think nice. I I realize now. But like she she picked up on. Hold on, I've seen I've seen hundreds of the same style of ring of what I thought I wanted, and. They're still pretty. They're they're pretty, but like I put them on my finger and I'm just not feeling it. And it does feel trendy. Yeah, that's the right word for it, man. They are trendy. Yeah, she 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 found what she wanted, and uh, so I didn't. She didn't like pick one out. I I still uh, I found one that you know like she hadn't seen before, uh, and she was still gently surprised, which was nice. Nice. Um, and gets complimented on it like all the time super happy with it still uh holds it up in front of my face and <laughs> asks if it's icy if it's a little cold in here that kind of shit <laughs> <laughs> gotta be done it's always interesting how how society works how this how this whole this whole game of life works you know especially in that in that sense like that's that's just what what you do right it's, uh you you buy a beautiful ring for your mate before getting married it's <laughs> that's it's, right it's a fun it's a fun concept and an interesting one to sort of think deeply about yeah and so she was sold on diamonds from the get-go it had to be a diamond couldn't be a lab created diamond and it couldn't be moissanite which is like a synthetic uh diamond even though they look like perfect and are cheaper had to be a real had to be real diamonds um briefly well, thought diamonds about are like, forever Boy, do I know. I was marketed to so heavily. Um, and there are even colored diamonds. Yeah, and at the end of it, I'm so I'm so happy with, like, the direction that she wanted. And she's happy with the ring. But, yeah, it, it is weird. It's a, it's a weird symbol, and it's a weird thing of, like, significance that has no real value other than what we've assigned to it. Yeah, and just but, do a little well, do a little research on diamonds sometime, and like how how there are just warehouses of these things being held to control oh yeah. the prices, and it's like it's infuriating. It is, but again, you know, I think at the same time, there's even if we know this stuff, the the price that that our culture puts on diamonds, I think we've still got to somewhat uh, like play into that. We've got to play along a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this. I think this is maybe our, our next show. We talk about something like this. Of, it's almost uh, you have to play into a little bit, right? Even little girls like they watch Frozen, and even if there's not explicitly diamonds in it, things are still shiny. And we just yep. watch Beauty and the Beast. Oh boy! And uh, you know her her dress had these shiny sequin diamond looking things on it. And so from a young age, if you're a girl, you're, you're kind of exposed to this idea of diamonds are forever, yeah. which is in itself just a slogan, right? It's yeah, a slogan exactly. that a company made up 
and there's it's been around for 50 years or however long yeah yeah and who cares because you're not forever you're you're for 90 years maybe uh, <laughs> right right like i could put a piece of wood on your finger and it outlast you you twat but <laughs> something uh <laughs> right there's like you were saying there's like some societal uh norms that you can see from the outside in that they're really just you know they're built around nothing but they're man-made yeah yeah you still have to play into them yeah and i think it can be fun to play into them sometimes i mean i don't know it'd be easy to just sit in the corner and think oh i'm so much better than everybody else 